Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we sit on our hands and wait for uh, just over a year to drink a fresh brewed batch of mead. Yes, that's right. We did all the things. We told you all about them in our episode, and you should probably listen to it. We'll wait. <laughs> it's time for some mead. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Yes, you heard it. We are uh, cracking open this bottle of mead that's been aging since our first homebrew episode. Yes, where we talked you through the entire process of putting together your very own mead. Hmm. It's just as simple. Uh, well, the second stage is just as simple as the. F- ev- sorry, the second stage is even simpler than the first stage. All you got to do is wait. Yes, just like we did while you listened to that episode. (laughs) We waited, then you came back to this one. And we waited as well, but we waited a long-ass time. Yeah, and mead is one of the... it's, It's a wine, so it gets better with age. And I believe it is one of the few things that has no aging cap. Yeah. Now, I suppose it's worth pointing out that where you age it does make a difference. Where where you store it can make a difference to how it turns out. Yes. You can still ruin it by storing it incorrectly. Yes. Ideally, a cool, dark place is the best place to age hmm. such things. Like, like a wine? Yes. Like a cavern. Like a cavern. You could age it in a cavern. <laughs> if you just have a cavern handy. I mean, that, that's what they used to use. Yes, if you happen to be hill folk and you have a cavern nearby. Let us know because that's cool. Literally, <laughs> yes. Yes, go into your nice cool cavern. Go to your lagering cave that you dug out of the nearby hillside. Yep. If you have a lagering cave, you can mm. use one of those as well. Yes, would also work. It would also work. Uh, a fridge is not a good place because it's too cold. Yeah, but uh, the bottom of your pantry actually mm. works surprisingly well. Or the bottom of your linen cupboard is another good place too. Yeah, it's cool. It's dark. The temperature doesn't really change very much. You don't mm. open the door that often. No. It's perfect. Yeah. All right. Let's find out if this meat is indeed perfect or I've ruined it somehow. <laughs> Here goes. Wow, there's some suction in there. So, upon smelling the cork, without even smelling the drink proper, it smells pretty amazing. There's not a lot of people who have the patience to leave a mead sitting for this length of time. Well, I would call myself one of those people, but uh, the reason we still have it is a... I kind of forgot about it, and B, when I remembered it, I was looking. I was looking for a good time to open it. Mm. And the last batch was quite large. You poured that into several bottles. Yeah, drinking those throughout the year, 
and like as I had each bottle, it got better and better. So I haven't. I finished the last one maybe about eight months ago. So I haven't tr- tried this batch for eight months. Yeah. Wow. Should be good. Should be good. Let's be. let's find out because I'm sure it will have improved. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Wow. So, just speaking to the smell before we even taste it, it smells sweet but not sickly sweet. Mm. And the honey smell has improved. Yeah. The uh, strong yeasty smell has vanished. Can't smell that at all anymore. Oh, it's there a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. The, certainly the more unpleasant smells that you can pick up off a homebrew mead have mellowed basically out of existence. Mm. It's more a, a nod in the in that direction now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Holy shit. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is It's better than the one we bought. Oh shit, yeah. Excuse <laughs> the language. So much better than the one we bought. Wow. Because there, there was an episode when we bought mead. Mm. And we bought uh, Maxwell's mead. Mm. Mm. And it's good, but this is incredible. Yeah, of course, Maxwell's mead, I don't think it's aged at all. No. It's made, bottled, shelved. Yeah, basically. Yep. Straight to you. I know you can age it because a friend of mine had a bottle that she forgot about for seven years and uh, we cracked it and it was dark. It was like almost a caramel color versus the, the pale yellow that mead normally is. Mm. And it was it was magnificent. That's what seven years will do to it. Yeah. And that's the thing, I suppose, with... Once you produce your mead, when you're doing everything we spoke of in our first mead episode, you then need to consider making enough so that you can have some for now and have some to put away and forget about. Mm. And you should really do that with every batch. So when you're making more mead, you keep having some that is aged. And yeah. aged longer and shorter, and um, and you'll have, I guess, a different vintage. Mm, I guess you could call it. And if you've got the space, I suppose you could do a solera of mead. Ooh, I had I had considered that, but I do not have the space. Yeah, you'd need quite a large receptacle to mm. pour mead into. You could definitely do it with a five liter or a ten liter barrel. Yeah, with the tap goes out, stuff comes in. Hmm. Just um, don't like top it up with a lot, I guess. Yes. Now, of course, the other thing to remember, and I don't recall how briefly we touched on this in the first Mead episode, is filter, filter, filter. Because mm. if there is a lot of particulate matter in there and you age it... That particulate matter will infuse flavours into the mead. Yeah, it will not be kind to you. Hmm. 
Uh, so yeah, coffee filters are good for that because they're so very fine. Um, but if you've just if you decant it as well, it'll it'll do a pretty good job of getting rid of the stuff, the particulates, because that settles as you as it ages. Yeah, and of course you can start by filtering through a cheesecloth, and then you know as the stuff that's in there gets smaller, work down to finer things. Hmm. Because beginning with a coffee filter, it does take a very long time to pour it through. Does it, Mickle? Yes, I remember. <laughs> I remember how long it takes to pour it through when you've started with a coffee filter. Yes. Yes, that I made a batch of mango and honey wine and I started with a coffee filter. Not, th- not thinking that it would be a bad idea. Mm, but indeed, it was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it was the sort of thing where I just left overnight to filter through and then topped up the filter and, or swapped the filter out, put another load in and waited for another six hours, 12 hours. Yes. Yeah. We died filtering that. <laughs> but we got better. We did. And now we can taste an aged mead. So, yeah, aging refines the flavors. It smooths the the spikes of all the flavors and into a, a smooth into a more mellow curve of uh, the the front the the nose, the palate, and the back end. Yeah, and there's there's really no. I'm not really getting any back of the tongue bitterness at all. It's all sort of front of the palate and a little bit of. Soft palate mouthfeel, which I guess is what you want. All of that sort of more bitter flavors, you want them to come out during the aging process. Yeah. Well, depending on how you like it. Well, I suppose so, yes. If you like bitter, slightly bitter drinks, then we've we've missed the mark on that one. Mm. And boy, do we have the drink for you if you like bitter (laughs) drinks. Try Amaro. You still have that bottle, don't you? Or did you finish it? No, I didn't. Did you throw it out? No, I can't bring myself to. I'm too bitter. <laughs> but like, it's it's mead. It's a very old style of wine, as we said in our mead episode. It's, I doubt it's going to be as complex as your uh, typical wine, because there's three ingredients: water, honey, yeast. And if you want to add more, then do so but it's the the complexity comes from the herbs you add the herbs and spices you add to this drink not so much the honey yeah because of course you can add a variety of things Hmm. and i'm sure we mentioned it but let's i guess briefly mention again you can add cloves cloves are very popular same with star anise and cinnamon And I guess if you wanted to get uh, experimental, you could try ginger. I think that would work quite well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, If you wanted to, you could add fresh berries. So like a blueberry and honey mead. That would be nice. Mm. Mm. And yes, then hurry up and wait (laughs) after you've made it, filtered it. Yeah, because it takes... You know, two two to three weeks to brew, and then 
it's drinkable. But obviously, as you age it, as we've spoken before in like bar- how barrel aging works, the longer you age it, the better it's going to get. The more yeah. more the environment is going to... Well, especially in a barrel, the more the environment is going to influence the flavor. Yeah, with the difference between mead and more modern wines being that there is not a point of diminishing returns. Whereas with modern wines, with your general grape wine, there is a point of diminishing returns in aging Mm. where it passes that point of being its best and starts getting crap. Yeah. And generally quite quickly. Really? So if you have a Shiraz and the butter zone is, say, five years or ten years, right, ten years of aging, after ten years of aging, and so, like, after the 11th year, it's no good? Well, you've got a couple of years of leeway, but it's going to start going down the hill. Right. After that, yeah, butter zone. So this age is more like a spirit, is what you're saying? Yeah, because I I had one bottle the only time I was ever wrong about how long something should be aged for. Mm. And the flavors were so not what I was wanting at all. I really, Really? I can't even begin to describe how much it turned. I had to cook with it. It was a really nice wine and I had to cook with it because it was so not a really nice wine. I couldn't bring myself to do away with it. Oh, wow. How about that? But yes, it basically, it was a wild, untamed beast that had been left alone in the wilderness far too long and when I went to get it, it tried to bite my face off. Oh, wow. So a Shiraz then? <laughs> I think it might have been a Shiraz, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, if you'd like to try this recipe at home, you're more than welcome to. I believe, if I remember correctly, we talked about what was going into this mead in our homebrew episode. But if you want a refresher or if you want some tweaks to it, my second batch of mead ended up being even better than the first batch. So that one had uh, two... Two, three. It had three kilos of honey, which ended up being about two point four liters, and then uh, topped up with water, so another two point four to two point six liters, and then I added in a handful of cloves, a small handful of cloves, a couple of star anise, a stick of ginger, a stick of cinnamon. And a, um, what was it? And a, about four or five pimiento allspice. And that one, because I'd added a lot more spices to it, it tasted much better from the start. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's a lot like when you're producing a herbal liqueur. Yeah. It's where you go after the base. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, yeah, it makes all the difference because, of course, the base is, as you said, those three key ingredients, just the honey, the yeast, and water. Mm. And, of course, the water is going to change flavor, change the flavor of the drink, depending on whether it's harder or soft, like Pilsner. But 
because it's uh, less of a percentage of your drink than the Pilsner is, you get a smaller difference between flavors. Yeah, so I would be curious to see what happened if a person went to the effort of making mead with mineral water. Hmm. Just in case it, you know, actually made some sort of a noticeable difference. I mean, who knows? Who knows? If you decide to do that, do let us know, Mm. because we'd like to know if it makes any sort of a difference. Yeah. Maybe I should try it. It would have to go in flat, though. I don't think... I don't know if it'd work if it was fizzy. Like, shake it up and then pour it in. Yeah. I think that the carbonation would take up a lot of space in the vessel, too. You'd build up pressure, more pressure. Well, it's got an airlock in it, so that doesn't matter. Um, but uh, the the yeast produces carbon dioxide as well, so um, it might start because it starts at a higher CO two level. The yeast might not like it so much. Mm. I d- I don't know. Could kill the yeast. Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, what was it? Gonna, what was something else I was going to say. Oh. Make sure you write your recipes down. So, on the note of aging, make sure you write your recipes down because there's no way you can remember them well after a year or two years. And, you, it, yeah, so if you number each batch as well, you can say, oh, this batch contained this variety of spices. This yeah. batch contained a different variety. And, you know, if you happen to hit that Goldilocks bottle where it's just perfect Mm. and you want to make it again, you'll be kicking yourself if you don't know what the hell you put in it. Yes, you sure will. Is there anything else you want to add? Can you think of anything else? Um, Not really. I suppose just remember that mead gets better with age. Mm. That's it. That's the, the... Too long, didn't listen. Yeah, even <laughs> if you make a really bad one and you don't want to drink it, it's so bad, don't tip it out. Stick it in the bottom of the cupboard. Because mm. in a few years, it'll actually be drinkable. Probably. Maybe. Actually, Well, you might be onto something there because some some drinks are not drinkable straight out of the, f- the fermenting container, fermenting vessel. Some drinks taste dreadful until you age them. I'm sure Jägermeister tastes dreadful before it gets aged. Oh, probably. And I'd, I'd hate to think what scotch tastes like before it's spent three years in a barrel. I'd be curious to know, though. Oh, I reckon I know what it tastes like. Pisco. Pisco, you say? Brandy without aging tastes... I reckon it tastes like Pisco. Because mm. Pisco's not aged in wooden barrels like the like brandy or cognac or even armagnac. It's fermented in stainless steel containers, so no part of the of the container affects the flavour. Yes, true. So you're suggesting that scotch without aging might taste like that. Yeah, like the difference. So Pisco has a particular flavour and brandy has that same flavour but with added vanilla notes and oak notes and whatnot. Hmm. I would be interested to find out. Me too. If you know a whiskey distiller that likes podcasters, send us an email to a good drop at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We sure would. 
And I guess that's pretty much all we have for this episode. It's hmm. a short one. Short and sweet. Just like, like this mead. Just like the mead. Uh, so if you liked what you heard, everybody, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are a good drop all about a good drop all about alcohol on your favorite podcast app, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. And we are, of course, on the socials, Facebook and Instagram, as a good drop podcast. Hmm. And if you want to check out our library of previous episodes, jump on our website, agooddrop.com.au. And if you've got any comments, questions, uh, suggestions for future episodes, or if you have, or if you are pretty good at homebrew and have a great mess, great recipe for, and have a great recipe for mead. Send us an email to a good drop at gmail.com. And do be sure to tune in next time when we re- do be sure to tune in next time when we return to France for Lillet. Lillet Blanc, I believe it's called now. But when Ian Fleming was writing James Bond, it was called Kina Lillet. Mm-hmm. Little tidbit, little uh bit of trivia for next week so until then cheers cheers